Hi, this is Bob Berg, co-author of The Go-Giver. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue, and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacey O'Byrne. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hi, I'm Stacey O'Byrne, and I get to hang out with successful entrepreneurs, business owners, sales professionals, and some of the top business influencers and thought leaders in the world. You see, I believe that it's important to learn the art and science of how to sell without selling, and that is the only way to achieve six and seven figure success. So if you want to be a success magnet, attract quality people in your network and significantly increase your sales and ultimately your success, then you're in the right place because this is the Sell Without Selling podcast. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and today I'm speaking with a really good friend of mine, Bob Berg. Bob is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former U.S. president. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with a total book sales of well over a million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, itself has sold over 950,000 copies, and it has been translated into 28 languages. His and John's newest parable in the Go-Giver series is The Go-Giver Influencer, Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He is also an unapologetic animal fanatic and is a past member of the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption Clinic and Ranch in his town of Jupiter, Florida. I'm so excited for you to hear today's conversation with Bob. This is going to be a phenomenal conversation. Really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business, in your success, or you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach, being accountable to help you identify the blind spots increase your accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income, and your success to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a personal phone call with me to see if we're a great fit for each other. Hey, Bob, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm great, Stacy. Thanks for having me with you. Oh, no, the honor and privilege is all mine. I'm so excited for the listeners to hear you today and get to know you. I'm sure they all already know who you are. And I mean, the Go-Giver series is a phenomenal series, and I am blessed that you're with us today. 
I'm really curious, what inspired you to write the entire Go-Giver series? Well, years and years ago, I had a book out called Endless Referrals, and the Mm. subtitle was Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. It actually came out in the early to mid-90s, and we've done several revisions, the latest one in, in 2005. And it was really a book on how people, entrepreneurs, salespeople who knew they had a great product or service, they were proud of it, they knew it brought wonderful value to the people who were their customers and clients, but they may not have felt comfortable in the process of going out there and creating those relationships that led to sales and referrals. So it was really a how-to type of book, step one, step two, step three, on how to create those what I call know, like, and trust relationships. And you know, it was a regular how-to book. And But over the years, I'd often read parables, which I've always enjoyed because I think, as, as you know, stories kind of connect on a, a deeper level than how-to books. And so there's really something to be said in a, a short, succinct story that makes a point. And all the, all the parables I'd ever read always had that effect on me. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could take the basic premise of endless referrals, that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust, and put it into parable form. So it was kind of easy to come up with the title because I I simply just asked myself, what is the, the basic characteristic of people who are able to very quickly and sustainably create those know, like, and trust relationships. And what it really comes down to is they're, they're givers. They, their focus is on giving or providing immense value, exceptional value to others. So coming up with the go-giver, easy part. But the best thing I did for the book was to ask John David Mann, who at that time, few people knew outside of his niche, in which he was very well known. And and as a, a brilliant, brilliant writer and storyteller. And I asked him if he would be the lead writer and storyteller of this, you know, this book that I had that idea for. And it, fortunately he said yes. And so we put together kind of a storyline and what we were looking to accomplish with it. And he worked magic and, you know, and that's really how that began. I love that. I don't know if you know this about me. I actually built two seven-figure businesses 100% through networking. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, well, that says a lot about you. It says, uh, you know, it it says that you created those relationships and you (laughs) had that, that were able to cultivate that trust in people. So they knew both in terms of your character and your competence that you were the person who they could very easily refer to others and know that you were going to make them look good. You know, for me, that's the whole premise of sell without selling, is to bring forward our mindset, our inner beliefs, our inner values, and then show up in a space of service in others and to help others grow their businesses and be more interested in how we can serve them than how they can serve us. And that has just paid me tenfold when I continually show up for them. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny because you and I have, have discussed this before on a, on kind of a surface level, but what you described and, and I know we're of the same mindset and Mm -hmm. work from the same principles, but what you describe in being of service, focusing on others, helping them build, see, that's what I call selling. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So without selling, I said that, and I say that is selling. So, so what happens is... So it's just um, semantics, but we're oh, in agreement no, on the, on the no, basis. Absolutely, absolutely. When we had that conversation, and for those of you that don't know, Bob has an amazing blog on the premise of how people say that you can sell without selling. And 
for me, the beautiful thing about selling without selling is when you surround yourself with a network of people that connect you to people that have a need, want, and desire for your product, service, and solution, what happens is that that edification becomes instantaneous and that no like and trust gets passed to them. And for that reason, you don't really have to sell, you just have to serve. When you can connect a solution to their need and one of their friends tells them, you have to do business with this person, it becomes easy as long as you show up under the right pretense. Yeah, you know, one of the great benefits of a referral-based prospect is that you're going in on borrowed trust or what I call vicarious experience. So no, this person who's just met you, no, they've never used your product or service yet, but someone who they know, like, and trust has said, this is the only person you need to talk to. This person's going to take care of you. They're going to make sure you're happy. You know, the product or services is fantastic, but they're going to stand behind. So you're really pre-sold by the time you even go in there. Yeah, and it makes it easier. And it's Mm -hmm. all about how how you show up, which is why I am so in alignment with you. Bob, I'm curious, whatever got you into entrepreneurism? It sort of is my inclination Hmm. to be an entrepreneur. I don't think I'd make a really great corporate soldier. um, (laughs) Because within corporate, there tends to be government type layers of bureaucracy that Mm -hmm. you're always, uh, you know, fighting. And so that's not really my style as much. So, you know, entrepreneurship gives me the freedom to, you know, to know that I need to serve my customers and clients. And that's the only, that's the only level of uh, control, if you want, if you will, that I think there is, that I'm responsible to them and that any other ideas are there only to help me do that. Whereas sometimes when a, you know, a big, and by the way, not all the time, there are many very excellently run companies and and organizations, but it tends to be, you know, but we also know there's also that, you know, So entrepreneurship tends to be more my style, if you will. I love it. What advice can you give someone who not only is just starting out? The reason why I'm asking you this question is because, you know, with this pandemic, with COVID, with corporate America having to do massive layoffs, I really think there's going to be this evolution of the the necessary entrepreneurism to try to figure out how to support themselves, how to pay their bills. What piece of advice can you give a new and evolving entrepreneur? Well, I think for any entrepreneur, it's really important to understand that this goes much deeper than you simply having a particular skill set or product or service. You know, Michael Gerber is sort of the one who kind of brought that philosophy to the world through his Mm e-myth, excuse me, books, that so many people believe that because they have a certain skill, or they have a certain product or service that that means they can just go into business and that it's just going to be, you know, happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's not the case. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of things we need to be, we need to understand before we take that entrepreneurial leap. So I think first it's be, you know, before going into entrepreneurship, or if you are now a new entrepreneur, is to understand what business really is and what the different aspects are. I would suggest immediately getting Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth or The E-Myth Revisited and kind of really understand that. Once you do and once you have the understanding, now it's determining those areas that are your strengths, that are your weaknesses, that are your opportunities, that are your threats, right? And, And kind of say, okay, what is it that I 
already do well? What do I not do well? What can I improve on myself? Or what do I need to farm out? Because it's just not going to to happen. And then I think, uh, you know, obviously what I would call sales skills or what you would call without selling sales or without (laughs) sales skill, what have you, is to, you know, to really understand how to go out there and create these relationships so that you're able to help people own your products and services. So, I, I mean, I think really it's just equipping ourselves to know what we need to know and then go about it accordingly. Oh, I love it. I love it. I would love for you to share with the listeners what your go-giver philosophy is for networking and referral relationships. You know, on a, a very basic level, it's simply that shifting your focus, and I think this is where it all begins, mm-hmm. shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when I say giving in this context, I simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a more fulfilling way of doing business, it's actually the most financially profitable way as well. And, you know, not for some, you know, way out there, woo-woo kind of magical, mystical reasons. It actually makes very logical, rational sense. (laughs) And that is when you're that person who can take your focus off of yourself and place it on that other person, looking to discover what they need, what they want, what they desire, what they're looking to accomplish, what problems they have that you can solve or what have you, people feel good about you. They want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They, they want to buy from you if that's appropriate. And they want to, to talk about you to others, become your, as we like to call, personal walking in ambassadors. You know, Again, I talk about this being, you know, rational and logical if we take it to another level. And I've, I've often, when I've spoken at a sales conference, I've started out by saying, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, right? They're yeah. not going to buy from you because you need the money. And they're not even going to buy from you just because you're a really nice person. They're going to buy from you only because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And that's the only reason why they should buy from you or from me or from anyone else. Now, this is good news to that person who really is focused on the other person. Because when you go into that presentation or when you're developing the relationship and and what have you, and that person knows, they know in their heart that you genuinely care about helping them. You have created that, what we call benevolent context for your success. You become that person who they want to do business with. I love it. I love it. So you actually just subliminally brought up a point that I would just love for you to stand on your pulpit and preach about. So I wrote a book called Secrets to Becoming a Master Networker, and it was kind of like the user's manual of Mm -hmm. how I built a seven-figure business. It was kind of like a networking plan, so to speak. Mm In it, it says that we show up for the right intention. We show up to be of service. We show up with two ears and one mouth and to utilize them proportionately so that we can understand what our referral partner's needs are so that we know if we know anybody that we can connect them to. I was having a conversation just the other day with someone 
who was telling me that, you know, she builds her business through networking. And I said, great. And then she went in to say, yeah, I go to about seven or eight networking meetings every week to recruit people from my workshops. And I looked at her and I said, excuse me, what, what do you mean by that? And she goes, oh, well, I go in with my flyers and and I sell my workshops to people. And I said, well, that's not networking. That's net selling. I said, networking is when you walk into a room and you get to know the people in the room, you get to know their business, you connect with them, you learn to like them, you learn to trust them, you understand what their perspective avatars, their perspective clients are, and then you see if you know anybody now or in the future that has a need, want, and desire for their product services and solutions, and the more value that you add to them, the more value they can potentially in the future add to you. And she goes, well, that's not networking. That's just socializing. So my question to you is, what do you think about the people who show up bait and switch and networking to really not sell? Get them, Bob. Well, first, (laughs) I think it always goes back to definitions and premises. Yes. Okay. Because when you say networking and she says networking, you both believe that you are talking about networking. That's how she defines it. She would define networking as doing what she is. Now, you and I, of course, are much more congruent in how we would define networking. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I define networking as the cultivating of mutually beneficial give and take or give and receive win-win relationships. Exactly. The emphasis is on the give, like with you. You go in there not to sell your product or service, but simply to establish the relationship. You do that through focusing on that other person, through asking persons, asking questions that get them to be able to very comfortably open up to you and help you see what they need. You and I are totally in alignment. Mm -hmm. Her definition of of networking is what we would call hard selling. Uh, Yeah, I mean, but that, but she thinks that's networking. So, you know, when people go to an event like that, and they, they do that, to me, it's a little bit amazing that with all we know over the last 30 years yeah. of, of how to cultivate relationships and so forth, that people still do that. And I rarely find anyone who is successful doing exactly. what that person's doing, yet exactly. they seem to keep doing it. You know, I tend to doubt that by her doing that, she gets a lot of people to her workshops. Does yeah. she get some? Probably. But yeah. boy, is she, you know, she's having to hit up and I mean, hit up everything, whatever, and uh, it's got to be exhausting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, but that's what she does. And I see people doing that and I hear about people doing that. So that's why we need people like you out there, you know, to teach that that's not how to do it. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's what it is. I think most of the time, and it, it's not that they feel they're doing something wrong, because obviously they don't and they see nothing mm-hmm. wrong in doing that. But what they don't realize is not only is it not particularly productive for them to do that, it's actually counterproductive because they probably turn off a lot more people than they than they turn on. Yeah, agreed. So in my humble opinion, I, I love how you eloquently put it that the definitions are different. I guess I never really looked at it from that perspective. In my humble opinion, I really honestly believe that when somebody turns around and says networking doesn't work, it's because they're really not working it. They're, sure. they're, they're forging the uphill battle of trying to net sell or net socialize. Well, yeah, and again, well, exactly either of those two. And exactly, mm-hmm. when, when someone says networking doesn't work, 
you know, if I wanted to engage the, you know, if I said, oh, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Again, we're both using the term networking. You know, we're seeing it with two different definitions. The first thing I'd probably ask is, you know, that's interesting. I'd, I'd love you to share more with me. How would you define networking? Mm-hmm. And then their answer is probably going to be something other than how you and I would define it. Exactly. What do you think about networking in the world of this digital world, the social media world? How is that showing up for you today? Well, it's probably more important than ever. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. And now it's, you know, it's a matter of, I still believe that face-to-face in person is the ultimate best form. You go with what, you can, what you've got to work with. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think people have been very receptive to yeah. the idea of the very, you know, we talk about Zoom burnout and Zoom mm-hmm. exhaustion, and there is, but also people know that that's what you have to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think people have really adjusted to it and have, have now it's gone from that, oh, that's just not how we want to do, you know, work to, well, this is how we're doing it. You know, I think people, uh, you know, human nature is such that generally ideas by most people get resisted or most people will resist the new idea. I'm like that myself. I'm not the quickest to make a change. I, you know, I'll, I'll readily admit that. But there's a certain point where people will say, okay, this is what it is right now. Right. So, but it's still the same principle. You mm-hmm. know, you still have to focus on that other person. You still need to make sure that you're placing their interest at the forefront because we know that's what they care about. It's just a different, you know, medium and there are different media we're now utilizing to do that. Exactly. I too believe that the face-to-face is the end-all be-all because that's where the true human connection happens. I'm very blessed that we do have the digital technology to meet people, Mm -hmm. connect with them. I think it's a little less personal and it does take a little longer. However, I think it's better than the alternative. Absolutely. Not it at all. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. So what's your philosophy on coaching and mentorship for, for entrepreneurs to insert that in their strategy to be successful? Oh, I mean, like anything, it's so very important. We simply can't know all we need to know. <laughs> you know, and that's, of course, when we're just starting out. But even as we're, as we're veterans of the business, you know, there's still things we're going to do that we're too emotionally involved with ourselves to be able to see it clearly. You know, I remember, you know, that when Martina Navratilova, who was is arguably the best women's tennis player of all time, how uh-huh. she continued to have coaches, even at the height of her career, you know? Yes. And yes. you look at a Harvey McKay, who's one of the top, you know, business leaders uh, in the world for the, you know, over the last 30 years. And uh, I remember an article by Harvey about 10 years ago, where he was talking about having 30 different coaches. You know, one was his tennis coach, one was his golf coach, one was his business coach, one was yeah. his language coach, one was, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, when, when we can really embrace the fact that first, we don't know everything. And secondly, even when we're going along pretty well, there are still, we want to make sure that we're always being coached, being mentored to keep us on the right, on the right path. I love it. I love it. So what kind of networking tips can you give to our listeners? Because I know I consider you a networking guru. I mean, you've written the book about it. That's very and, kind. Thank you. <laughs> and I would, I would love if you would take a little bit of time to share some strong networking tips, either virtual, digital, or live, just to help people really dig in and, and get the value out of it. Well, I think when first connecting with someone, and, and you made the point earlier about the, about the listening much more than talking, 
And I think that's so important when first meeting someone, whether it's an event in person or whether it's a, you know, a Zoom call or whatever it happens to be. It's to, you know, be the, the asker and the listener as opposed to the, the speaker. It's investing 99.9%, maybe it's not that much, but a significant amount of time on that person and their business, especially because if they don't know you well yet, they're not really interested in you and your business. They're interested in themselves and their businesses. So let's allow them to talk about that. I have something I call my feel-good questions. Mm-hmm. And feel-good questions are simply questions that by their very nature make that person feel good about themselves, about the situation, and about you. They're not prospecting in nature. They're not salesy in nature. They're not intrusive or invasive, but they do very quickly create a rapport with this person that makes everyone more, more comfortable and allows them to really right away see you as a person of value and someone who they would want to have in, in their network. So let's say, you know, the person you're talking to, his name is Gary and he sells copying machines. A great first question, a great feel-good question to ask is simply, Gary, how did you get started selling copying machines? Or, you know, if a little more eloquent might be, uh, how did you get started as an office products professional? Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a question that, you know, it's not a particularly slick question, (laughs) It's not a a clever question. In fact, it's a fairly mundane question when you think about it, right? How did you get started in the widget business, whatever you're doing? But it's a question, Stacey, that people love, love to answer. Why? Because immediately you are making them the star. You are asking them to share their story, their beginning story. Now, this is opposite of most everyone they meet, okay? sort of like the person you were talking about at those at those networking events who really they just want to talk about themselves and about their business but here are you here's you who this person's just met and you're simply asking them how did you get tell me your story i want to know how you got right now, i guarantee you just about guarantee you that nobody asked this person how they got started in their business this person's own family has probably never asked him how he got started in the you know fascinating career of, of copying machine sales. And here's you, who he just met, asking that question. So that's a good initial question to ask, and he will really enjoy answering that question. Now, a follow-up to that might be along the lines of, what do you enjoy most about what you do? It might come across more like, wow, you must have had some fascinating experiences over the years. What do you enjoy most about your work? What do you enjoy most about what you do? Again, it's a uh, feel-good question. It elicits a feel-good response, and you want this person feeling good about themselves and good about you. Now, after you've asked a couple of questions, a couple of the feel-good questions, it's time to ask what I call the one key question that will set you apart from pretty much everyone else this person has ever met, okay? And it sounds like this. Gary, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with is a good prospective customer for you, okay? Now, this is a question that when asking it, you've really done two things. One is you've let him know again, and you're continuing to let him know that your goal is to add value to his life, okay? You're asking how you can know if someone you're speaking with is a good prospective client or a good customer or a good whatever, whatever it is that person does. But the other thing you've done is the way you framed the question. His answer will actually show you how 
to help him. So uh, again, let's let's take this from the uh, he's a, a copying machine salesperson, and you say, Gary, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with would be a good potential customer or good potential client for you? And he might have to think about it for a moment. He's probably never asked, been asked this question before. And he says, well, you know, if you're ever in an office and you notice a copying machine and uh, next to that copying machine is a waste paper basket. And that waste paper basket is just filled up and overflowing with crumpled up pieces of paper. That's a good sign that copying machine has been breaking down a lot lately, right? Oh, wow. And that would be an excellent prospect for me. So he's just told you, he's shown you how to network how to go out and, and be of value to him. And he appreciates the U.S. So, so right now, he holds you in very high esteem after just meeting, much more than had you been grilling him about your product or service. By the way, a great way to set up that question about the how can I know if someone it would be to say, you know, Gary, I always love connecting good people with other good people. Tell me, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with is a good, you know, then prospective client or, or whatever for you? So that's just, you know, that's the, the start of networking with someone. You go in and do that. And I mean, you are nine steps ahead of the game in a 10-step game when it comes to relationship building. I love that, Bob. Thank you so much. I know that your time was limited today. If our listeners want to find you or connect you, how can they find you out there? Best way is just to go to Berg, B-U-R-G.com and all sorts of things are there, lots of resources and goodies and so forth. And they can also get chapter one or an excerpt of any of my books to, to see if they like where it's headed. So that's Berg.com, B-U-R-G. Thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. I really, really appreciate it, Bob. Oh, thank you, Stacy. The, the pleasure, the blessing, the honor is mine. I love the work you're doing and how many people's lives you're really touching in significant ways with such great value. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Your success is important to me, and it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do three things right now. First, I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Let's hop over to Instagram, follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I would love for you to log into Facebook, join our Sell Without Selling community. That's our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. And last and definitely not least, I'd love to chat with you. Give feedback on the episodes and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success that you've always dreamed of, desired, and you know you deserve. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. Always remember this, choice is a powerful thing and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way so that you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.